first read together from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 22, questions 57 and 58 on page 51. What comfort does the resurrection of the body afford thee? Answer that not only my soul after this life shall be immediately taken up to Christ its head, but also that this my body being raised by the power of Christ shall be reunited with my soul and made like unto the glorious body of Christ. Question 58. What comfort takest thou from the article of life everlasting? And so that since I now feel in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, after this life I shall inherit perfect salvation, which I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man to conceive and that to praise God therein forever. So far. The theme for tonight is the last day. The last day. Some out the youngest day. David was the youngest in the family. The last unborn. So the days of God are, 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 are called older or younger days. So the last day is the youngest day for thought. A day of resurrection. All people that have died before will rise from the dead to their salvation or to their condemnation. Secondly, a day of judgment. In the third place, a day of joy. And fourthly, a day of praise. The last day, a day of resurrection, a day of judgment, a day of joy, and a day of praise. And several times it will refer to one to test to 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 Thessalonians one, as is a law that refers to it. Congregation, someday we'll have to die, right? You all know that. We don't want to think about it. We push it away. We are in denial, maybe. But someday it's coming, and even God's people have to die. You will say. But the Lord Jesus died for them. He died in their place, so why do they have to die then? If the Lord Jesus is their Savior and says, I will rescue you from death, why do they need to die? But the death of God's people is not a punishment. The death of God's people is an opening, an entrance, a door to eternal life. So there's not bad law. The death of God's people is the precious death. It's the day that they inherit. The day they go to heaven. 
So we don't believe in the purgatory. What is the purgatory? In the Roman Catholic Church, they divide the eternal punishment from the temporal punishment. And they say Jesus died for the eternal punishment, and we have to die for, and we have to suffer for our temporal punishment. And if you did not suffer enough here on earth, then you have to finish that in purgatory until you have paid the price. And then you can go on to heaven. The Bible speaks in a different way. Think of the murder on the cross. He asked to be remembered in God's kingdom. And the Lord Jesus said, Today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So immediately, right? There's no time in between. There's no soul sleep or something. So God's people, they die and they go immediately to heaven. With the soul, not with the body. So I wonder, do you realize this? I often hear people say about, speak about their never dying soul. The soul being more important than the body? Because you have a soul, right? A soul for eternity. Wait a moment. You also have a body. And the body is valuable as well. The body has a soul future. The body will rise from the dead. Even the body of the reprobates, of the unbelievers. Everyone's body will be restored unto heaven or unto hell. That's why the Lord Jesus took upon himself a human nature, a body. If the Lord Jesus only wanted to save the soul, he didn't have to take a body. But he wanted to save them both, body and soul. So therefore the Lord Jesus took upon himself a body, a human body. And the human body of God's people will be united again with the soul on that last day. On that youngest day, after we speak about the soul, we should also speak more about the body. Love thy body. Love thy body. Don't love, only love your soul. Love the body. Also love the body of your children. Because there is a resurrection. There is a future. Let me prove that from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So we have mortal bodies. They will become immortal today. We have corruptible bodies. 
they will become incorruptible. I think of Job 19, verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. So the body decays, nothing is left but some dust, and yet on the day of the resurrection, the mortal becomes immortal, and people will see God from their own physical eyes. The Bible says. So let us not think again that the body is less important than the soul. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, as it's written, I has not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the heart of man to th- the things which God has prepared for them that love him. The Lord has prepared things on the new earth for them. I also like to, like to remind you of Lord's Day 1, right, about the only comfort. What is the only comfort? It's not only for the soul, it's to suffer the body. What is the only comfort in this life and death? That I with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. See? So with body and soul, in life and death, not being your own, but belonging to the faithful Savior. So the Savior, the Lord Jesus, does not only owe the, the soul of his people, also the body. That is, the body he has purchased for him, made it immortal. So faith, for example, of a child of the Lord having a heart attack or something else, I mean, rushed to the hospital, and suppose you are the person in the, in, 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 the, in the ambulance. And you think, what is going to happen? If you can still think straight, you don't know. But what, is, what, what the comfort it will be if you would know that your body has been purchased. That your body, not only the soul, also the body, belongs to the faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The more you understand of those things, the deeper God's children go into that, the more insight, the more comfort they have. Many of God's children are in the beginning stage of salvation, and they have just a little knowledge of it. But it is absolutely beneficial to have more insight into what the body of people is about. The more insight into the immortality and who belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to have a deep comfort. So someday, you, I, with my eyes, with your eyes, you will meet your maker. Face to face. Very personal. I had to think of the funeral of my grandmother. And the minister, the pastor, shook hands with all of us. Right? Big circle, with a large family. And he rushed it. Quickly shook hands with all of you. Also with me. But he did not see me. He shook my hand and looked at the next person. So I was kind of offended. And I thought, did you not see me? You shook hands that there was no personal contact, no eye contact at all. Well, it will be different with the Lord. When you meet him, he will just look you straight in the eye. He will just ask you to answer questions. He will also very kindly save you if you are a believer. And there will be also wrath out of his eyes when you see him unprepared. But there is um, preliminary judgment when you die. And the final judgment at the coming of Christ. So think about it. The day of resurrection. Let's go to the second thought. A day of judgment. The first book of the Thessalonians and the second book are similar. And they both speak about the congregation of Thessaloniki that is suffering. They suffer. There's persecution. They have such a hard time. It is not easy for them. And the Apostle Paul writes them about the day. He writes about the resurrection and judgment. And he, he, he tells them, dear congregation, you're suffering. There are people hating you and delivering you over unto death and incarcerating you. But the Lord will set, you, set, will set things straight. He will not let it go unpunished. Look at verse 4 in this chapter. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations to the end of which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the King of God, for which you also suffer. See, it is the righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So God is doing justice. You know, our justice system is broken. We hear about people being restored, 
the restorative work, but the Bible speaks about justice and about vengeance, about the vengeance of God. Also in verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and they obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this chapter speaks about the punishment, about the judgment day. In this sense, it is a comfort for God's people, because then all things will be set straight, and the Lord will defend them. The Lord will make all things well for them. But, let, but don't forget what it says. Flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. If people don't know him, don't want to know him, refuse him, turn their back to God, that will be something. In flaming fire, taking vengeance that day on them that know not God, don't care about them, do it to no means or so to care. Do you care? Do you feel your heart an appreciation and a love for God? Have you been converted to Him? If not, then you don't know Him. And so you'll just be terribly offended about that. A flaming fire in vengeance. With a vengeance, He will come after you. That no, not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't obey the gospel, that means if you don't believe in the gospel, if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord will not say, well, you can't help it. He won't say, well, you can't do it yourself. He won't say, I'm sorry it was not given to you. He will say, I'm offended that you did not obey the gospel. Is it something? Are you getting, trying to get, to get around this? By defending yourself? Don't do that. Just bow your knees tonight. Say, Lord, I heard tonight that God will come after me with vengeance if I don't know God. And if I don't obey the gospel, that's the Bible. So seek the Lord. Don't try to escape. Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
And he shall send the angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather themselves, his elect, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Many places about speak about that day. It is the resurrection and vengeance in judgment. I saw that then, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to the works. According to the works? Yes. All people in hell deserve to be now. Nobody in heaven deserves to be in heaven. But in hell, yes, it is according to the works. The works will be rewarded. But the worm dies not, the fire is not quenched. Think of Luke 16. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. It'll be something. Christ is an advocate, but he's also the judge himself. And it'll be a day of judgment. Therefore, it is necessary that we already count on addition, and that we have a pre-trial. May I say that way? Have you experienced the pre-trial? That you already preliminary-wise stood before the throne and confessed your sins, and that you confessed that you're not worth your life, that the Lord broke you, the Lord let you admit your sin, and have you also cried upon his name? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? That is so necessary to receive the forgiveness of sins before this the time is left. So today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. It's the word of God, right? In flaming fire, vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, not obeying the gospel. That means that the gospel is a command, right? This is about not obeying the gospel. The gospel is, just, is not just an, um, a piece of information. The gospel is a command. Come unto me, ye the heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a command. And not obeying it, they'll be punished with everlasting destruction. 
who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, so that destruction does not stop, it's not over someday, it goes on and on, eternity, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. So God is not present. He just makes a huge distance. So he shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. To remove you, send you away, having no communion, no fellowship with God, because you don't know him, and because you disobey the gospel. The day of the Lord is a day of resurrection, a day of judgment, also a day of joy. Her thought. See that? The joy also in answer 58. But comfort take us now from the article of life everlasting that since I now feel in my heart the beginning of eternal joy after this life I shall inherit perfect salvation which I have not seen nor ear heard so there is already a beginning of eternal joy here on earth with the joy will continue after death. And the joy will continue after the, resur the resurrection. It will be a day of joy. There will be comfort. Look at verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. And he shall come to be glorified in his saints. What does it mean? Well, on the day of resurrection, the whole world will be renewed, right? There will be no tsunamis and no earthquakes and no droughts. It will all be perfect. No consequence of sin, no death. And that in itself will glorify God, right? But that's not even half of it. Because the birds and the mountains and the grass and the fields and the animals don't serve the Lord consciously. It is to God's honor and glory, but they don't serve consciously. So the Lord is really, really honored and glorified by people. People rejoicing in Him. That is the greatest glory to God. When sinners are satisfied with Him, when sinners have everything in Him, 
don't need anything else but him. Then he shall come to be glorified in his saints, by his saints. His saints who are, who are, who are the saints. There are no saints. Nobody is a saint. Wait a moment. The Bible speaks about saints. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. God's people are saints. They're his saints. Because he has forgiven them. And he has also given them a new heart. That hates sin and loves obedience. So God's people, by God's grace, have changed dramatically in the hour of salvation, in the hour of their rebirth, the time that they were born again, from children of wrath, they became children of God. Absolute dramatic change. Not only a different awareness, not a different state. They were unsaved. No, 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 they're saved. They're not God's people. They're not God's people. They did not belong to the Savior. No, they belong to the Savior. And on the day of judgment, it will all be made clear. And then he will be glorified, especially in his saints. And I think that is the most beautiful word in this chapter. Look at this. Verse 10. And to be admired in all of them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. And to be admired in all of them that believe. If someone believes, truly believes in the Lord, then Christ is so precious. Then they admire him. That is the core thing of believing. Believing is not assuming that you are saved, and believing is not assuming that you go to heaven, and assuming that whatever. No. It is a deep delight. A deep joy. It is admiring. It is marveling at him. It is treasuring. It is wonderment. It's amazement. It's love. True faith is not just an assumption. True faith is also to admire him. Now, admire. But admiring him means that you don't understand it, right? You marvel at something. How is that possible? Really? So the Lord Jesus is marveled at. And there will be a real joy, a joy in God's people. Rejoicing in him, and also joy from him himself. Example, 
think of a wedding, of marriage. And let me just listen to the conversation. She's asking, why do you want him to marry me? Why have you married me? What's the reason? What is the reason? Is it a selfish reason? Or did she want to marry me for me? He says, no, I did not marry you for you. I marry you for myself. I like it to be married to you. I love that. And she says, you selfish man. No. No, she doesn't say that. She smiles. That he wants to marry her for himself. Right? Because if you marry someone out of pity, out of duty, your heart is not in it, you don't like it, you kind of feel you have to, that is not to, to the glory of the other. And so sinners, they want to go to heaven and they want to go on the, to, to the new earth. Yes. For themselves. And they really want to admire it and marvel at it. And that is their joy and it is God's glory to be admired. Have you ever admired a person for something? Have you ever admired the Lord Jesus? When you met him in the Bible, when he revealed himself with his spirit, and he became so real, so beloved, so dear to your soul, so precious, and you marveled at him, you cried, you're emotional. It was a deep conviction of the goodness and the love of God to be admired. That is the beginning of eternal joy here below. It will follow and become perfect salvation. Here is some information on this. Revelation 22. And there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and the servants shall serve him and they shall see his face. See his face and admire him and marvel at him when they see Jesus' face. And his name shall be in their forehead and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, need the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now who's rejoicing? 
on the day of the resurrection, the last day, who is happy. You say God's people are happy. Who else? God. God is rejoicing in the day. It is his bride. He's happy to have them home. Isaiah 62, verse 5. First young man, marrieth a virgin, so shall thy son, sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, again, as, just comparing, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. So on the day of the resurrection, not only God's people are happy, but God is rejoicing. Like the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so thy God shall rejoice over thee. And then God's people see the joy in God's eyes. And that made him so small and so happy that God does not save them because God does not save them because for his first glory. He loves it. He has delight in saving people. Or Nehemiah 8. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So in eternity, God's joy is the strength of his people. Psalm 27. And now shall mine heavy lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Or Isaiah 29. The meek also shall increase the joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The most ex exceptional, exceptional text is Zephaniah 3.17. Maybe you can give it some attention tonight. Zephaniah 3.17. Can you re remember that, young people? Look it up tonight. Here it is. This is about a God who is so happy that he is singing. A singer. Have you ever heard of a singer? God singing? No. No. Yes. Zephaniah 3.17. 
The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. Is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So on earth, God's children will have a new body. And they will be resurrected. And that is after judgment. And they will such a deep joy. And they notice God rejoicing in them. And they enter in into the joy of the Lord. His joy is their joy. But just a reminder, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So if you don't know God, if you disobey the gospel, you will not see the Lord smiling. You will not see the Lord rejoicing. You will not hear the Lord singing. You will be lamenting. You will be howling. You will be dying and not able to die. For the day, is this congregation your joy? Look at verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is in me, in, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Quite a testimony in the first few verses of 2 Thessalonians. The congregation of Thessalonica was suffering, was persecuted, but their faith is growing exceedingly, and the love is abounding, and they're doing well. So I thought God's pure always down, always. Wondering, always darkness, or maybe not always, but most, most of the time. I am afraid that it's true for too many, but it doesn't have to be too many. It is possible to receive this, that your faith groweth exceedingly. I hardly dare to say it, right? Because you may be offended and say, what? Yes, the Bible says it. Your faith grows exceedingly. O people of God, that our faith may grow exceedingly. Thinking of the resurrection day and of that joy and the judgment. 
it is possible that our faith is superficial. It's possible that we deceive ourselves. It's true. We have to examine ourselves. Absolutely. But don't tell me that God's people are mainly in doubt. That is hopefully not the case. Hopefully they are pilgrims on their way home. And hopefully they have some courage. And that's clear from this chapter. A day of resurrection. A day of judgment. A day of joy. And a day of praise. A day of praise. You have heard before that praising God and rejoicing God is almost the same. Right? Because rejoicing in Him is really honoring Him. And glorifying Him must be very happy. Otherwise, it will be shallow and just a duty. So the Lord wants to be praised, and he will. Amazing grace, the Lord will heal. And let me repeat this. If entire creation is glorifying the stars, the galaxies, the nebulas, the black holes, everything is glorifying Christ and God. There's going to be quite something, right? It is nothing compared to one sinner repenting and believing in the Lord. There'll be so much joy in heaven over a sinner repenting. Now, of the 99 that don't need it, see? What a joy the Lord has in people. People's soul and their body. Serving him from the heart. What a joy. And a voice came out of the throne. Saying, praise our God. All ye servants. And ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice. And give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. So the bride is ready. And they'll meet with the bridegroom for eternity in the new kingdom. What an overwhelming joy. Do you hear all those waterfalls? And the thundering and the choir singing. There is such an abundance of joy and gladness in the Lord. Now God is infinite, right? And we are finite. So how can finite people 
ever serve an infant God? Well, it takes just an eternity. But there will always be new things. God's children in the, on, on the earth will experience different facets of salvation, different aspects of God's attributes. There will be just no end in drinking it in, in experiencing the love of God which passes our understanding. It will be a holy, holy, holy. You know what holy means, right? Holy does not mean pure. Maybe that's connected to that. But holy means non-minded. So different. It stands out. Amazing. And so the angels are singing, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Maybe also be given to join the choir. And admire and marvel an eternity long, never boring, always rejoicing in a God who is happy with me. And then to be always with the Lord. See that? I hope I can make you jealous. But don't forget, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.